the concepts that belong to the membership processes that we practice today, all of those concepts are found in the New Testament. From Walking in Grace, this is the Straight Truth Podcast, Christian truths in an increasingly secular world. Well, welcome again to the Straight Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Philpot, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Richard Caldwell of Founders Baptist Church. Now, this podcast seeks to answer questions about faith, doctrine, practice, Bible verses, and even cultural issues. And we'd love for you to join the conversation. So if you're watching from YouTube, just leave us a comment below the video and we'll get to that. Or you can submit a question at our website, and the address is straighttruth.net. Now at our website, you can find links to all of our social media channels, as well as previous episodes. With that, let's get to the question for this episode. Our question for this episode has to do with church membership. Obviously, any church somebody attends, or at least most biblically-minded churches, will, will say that a person must uh, you know, enter into fellowship through church membership. So the question is this, is there evidence in the New Testament for church membership? And, and maybe as a, a question uh, that goes alongside that, is there evidence for like uh, church governance and how the church should be governed? Yeah, I think that there's, there's much evidence. I think the reason the question gets, gets asked is people think of membership in terms of the, the specific processes that we use to define and to identify membership today. And they, and they wonder, do I see that in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. So membership classes or... Mm-hmm walking through a set of constitution bylaws or a statement of faith on paper. And, and so they look at those processes and they say, I wonder if that's what was going on in the New Testament. Well, the processes might not have matched exactly, but conceptually you find all the same things you find in church membership today. One, one passage comes to mind specifically right now, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, Paul's writing to the Corinthians about a uh, collection He's, he's getting from the churches for, for poor saints in Jerusalem. And he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, churches, plural, so there are churches in this region, identifiable churches, defined you know, congregations from whom he was getting an offering. He says, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So this church is going to identify, select representatives from their congregation who will do what Paul needs done, and they're going to be accredited by letter. Uh, They're going to send a letter probably affirming their character or making clear these are the ones whom we chose to, to take the gift. And, and Paul goes on from there. So, so you have to have a congregation so well known to itself that you're able to identify people who are trustworthy to carry out ministry, and you're able to identify them to others, other churches, other congregations, by letter. I mean, you're able to identify who these people are in one way or another by letter. I think about when, when Paul wrote to the Philippian church, he addresses the letter to the elders and to the deacons. So already you, you have a, a recognizable set of leaders in that congregation, elders and deacons. There's, there's, there's format there, there's structure, there's identifiable leadership. In a strange way, sort of, I guess because it's a negative example, I think about the book of Third John. 
the ninth verse when he says, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to, be, to, to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. <laughs> so you have a membership identifiable enough that you, that, that you can identify when they're put out, when they're put out of the fellowship, put out of the congregation. Mm-hmm. This self-willed leader in that church is also making decisions about who will be received for ministry support, who will not be received. Again, there's, there's identified leadership, there's an identified membership, people are put out of that congregation if they don't comply with what he wants. I, I think about the whole process of church discipline, mm-hmm. Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. How does the church carry out discipline if its members are not identified? If you don't know who's in or who's out, mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? So, so I think that the, the, the concepts that belong to the membership processes that we practice today, all of those concepts are found in the New Testament. Identifiable eldership, identifiable uh, deaconate, uh, a group of men who, who assist the elders with practical forms of ministry, and yet, and yet they're qualified by the qualifications found in 1 Timothy 3, for example. A membership process that, that allows for discipline so that you can put people out of the con- All those concepts you find in the New Testament. Okay, so um, we're Baptists, and so we believe in a visible church, uh, 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 I guess juxtaposed to some other uh, churches um, or denominations. So what's involved in church membership? What I mean by that is how does somebody become a member of a church? Let's just say, let's just say they've never even heard the gospel. Right. And they come to our church, they hear the gospel for the first time, and they say, I want to be a Christian, and I want to be a member of this local body. Yeah, those who are added to the church in the book of Acts, first sermon, day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching, those who were added to their number are those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and followed him in believer's baptism. And so that's the doorway into the local New Testament church. Faith in Jesus Christ, believer's baptism. Mm -hmm. The church, however, Josh, has elders. It is governed by elders, Mm -hmm. according to the New Testament Mm -hmm. picture. And so that that involves authority with respect to doctrine. So Mm -hmm. there's a doctrinal standard that is kept in a local church as well. And so in our church, we talk about doctrines that are non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about the gospel. We're mm-hmm. talking about theology proper. Who is God? Who is Christ Jesus? Christology. Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, the Trinity. You've got to believe certain things to, to truly be able to call yourself a Christian. Those things are required of anyone who joins our church. So a, a credible profession of faith in Jesus Christ, one that accords with the biblical gospel. You follow the Lord in believer's baptism, and then you submit yourself mm-hmm. to the leadership of the elders of the church. And that's something that, that you agree to as you join the church, as you become a member of the church. There are other areas of doctrine that we, we, we would call doctrine that characterizes us. There's even a third category you could call it charitable matters. If we talk about those, those doctrines that characterize us, so in our church, you know, we believe in the five points of Calvinism. We're a church that's governed by a plurality of elders. There's congregationalism involved. We can talk about that, that more in a moment. But the final governing authority in our church belongs to the body of elders. Those doctrines are not required to be believed to be Christians. Mm-hmm. There are churches that differ with us on those, on those issues. Mm-hmm. But to be a member of this church, it so characterizes the ministry here to, to walk in unity with one another. We need to believe those things. Mm-hmm. 
There are other errors of doctrine. I just use those two as examples, but mm-hmm. there, there are sure. many. There are other errors of doctrine that, that we just say, we just choose to leave this up to, to everyone, uh, everyone's own conscience. Should we homeschool our children? Should we private educate our children? Should we put them in public school? That, that has nothing to do with church membership. We're not going to argue about those things. Standards for entertainment, outside of that which is just clearly lewd according to Scripture, would violate Scripture, would be sinning, those are going to be conscience issues. We're not going to set some sort of church standard down by which everybody has to abide. So you talk about core issues, characteristic issues, and charitable issues. Those three things we talk about in our membership process to join the church, the core issues you have to believe. The characteristic issues are, are so true of who we are, you need to believe these things to join this church. It's not absolutely required, but it's wise that we would be on the same page here. Charitable issues, that's up to your conscience. No one's going to lord, lord over you in those matters. Th- those will be left to you. Okay. Last question is that uh, dealing with the Lord's Supper, does somebody uh, have to take the Lord's Supper to become a member of a church? Or um, a side question is that, you know, um, can they only take the Lord's Supper if they are a member of the church? Yeah, here we practice open communion. By that we mean you have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been scripturally baptized, and you're not out of fellowship with your local congregation. So if you're not a member of this church, you're visiting, we're having the Lord's table together, you can participate if those three things are true. So if you're in a place to, to, to partake in a way that doesn't dishonor Christ. So no, in our, in our congregation, we do not believe you have to join the church in order to participate in the Lord's table. You must be a Christian to participate mm-hmm. in the Lord's table. You must have identified yourself with Him through the waters of baptism to participate in the Lord's table. And you must be in, in right fellowship with your lo- local congregation to participate in the Lord's table. Otherwise, you need to refuse it and get your heart right with the Lord. Or get, if it's a matter that you can get right right there in the pew, get your heart right and then partake with us. But mm-hmm. take this as an opportunity for purification of sin, to confess mm-hmm. sin and to get your heart right with the Lord. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, we'd love for you to share this episode with friends and family. And the easiest way to do that is just by going to one of our social media channels and liking and subscribing to our videos there. Now, we'd love to spread the word about straight truth. And the easiest way to do that is by going to the Apple Podcast link and leaving us a five-star review. Now, straight truth is listener-supported. So if you'd like to find out ways to help us to continue to produce this podcast, again, go to our website, straighttruth.net. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.